were in the garden, they were tested. Did they love God? Did they trust God? Were they ready to follow Him? Did they want to follow their own way? Were they ready to hear the temptations of the wisdom of the world and of Satan himself? And so we as humans, we have to confront this as well. And we have to be victorious over that. We have to be really tested by an actual trial. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, If you love me, keep my commandments. So everything in life is a test. The temptation, the main temptation, of course, is to follow our own will or to follow the suggestions and the wisdom of the world. If human beings are made in the, in the image and the likeness of God for everlasting life, then human beings have to be confronted by the devil. They have to confront evil. They have to confront and be confronted with every temptation and be victorious over it by obedience and by love for God. There's no other way around it. It's impossible to be a human being on earth and not to be tested. St. Anthony the Great, he says, whoever has not experienced temptation cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He even added, without temptation, no one can be saved. So you have to be tested to show what you really believe and who you really are and what you're really made of and what you want. There's no other way. Actually, in the New Testament, that teaching is made especially clear in the letter to the Hebrews. That our Lord Jesus Christ, even though He was the Son of God, and although He was the one appointed to be the heir of all things, through whom also God created the ages, the one who is the reflection of the very glory of God, who is the exact image of God the Father, this, the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, in His humanity, has to go through all these things as the new Adam, as the true Adam. He has to be confronted by the devil and be victorious. Not like our father Adam who was not victorious, but who was triumphed over by the devil. Our Lord Jesus Christ came to triumph. And he talks about this, like I said, in his letter to the Hebrews. He says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that means God's Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, likewise partook of the same nature, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. Later in Hebrews, he also says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So it says we have this high priest, God's own Son, who himself learned obedience through what he suffered. So he went through all these things so that he could be with us in our trials, in our testing, in our temptations. So you have these words in the book of Hebrew, wonderful words, that he's like us in every respect, tested and tempted just like we are, but he doesn't have sin. He doesn't yield to temptation. He doesn't yield to that trial. When it says in the letters to Hebrews that he's tempted in every single way as we are, by the way, it doesn't mean, this is sort of like a general statement, it doesn't mean literally Satan tempted him with every single sin. Right? It means that he tempted him with the sins that are kind of the ones that he would have been maybe susceptible to falling into, or what the devil thought he might have been susceptible to falling into. And this is actually how the devil tempts us as well. The devil and the trials of, uh, of this world are sometimes, or they are sort of tailor-made, suited to each one of us, 
to what our propensities for evil are, what our predispositions are, what our fears are, what our anxieties are, what our passions and lusts and desires are by the actual conditions of our humanity. Those are the areas that the devil tempts us in. For example, in some sense, we are tested and tempted more by our gifts than our weaknesses. If someone is strong, they may be tested to use their strength for evil purposes. Not everybody has the same kind of thing. Some people are, for example, more lustful than others. Some people are more intellectually curious. Some people are more power hungry. Some people may be caught up with food and drink. Some people may be more tempted by money. Some people don't care about money at all. So when it says that our Lord Jesus Christ was tempted in every way, it doesn't mean that he was tested in every single detailed way, but it means he's tested and tempted in the way that is appropriate to his person in the world. So if you think about it, our Lord Jesus Christ, his calling on earth was to be the Messiah. And his, that meant his calling was to be crucified, to suffer, to give his life over to death for the sake of recreating the whole creation, saving humanity. And the, maze, the, the, the most sort of like the biggest most ferocious temptation to him would be to not do that, to reject his calling. And actually, this is the biggest temptation of all of us, to not do what we're called to do. We want to do it in some other way, in our own way. These are huge temptations. So now we understand maybe why we had to be tempted. But we can also ask a question, why would the scripture say, if you, re- if you paid attention when you read the gospel, it says that the Holy Spirit drove him into the desert to be tempted by the devil before he begins his public ministry. We see this sort of as a fulfillment of a pattern that we saw in the Old Testament. When the people of Israel were led out of Egypt, they crossed the water, which is a symbol of baptism, and they found themselves in the desert. And they wandered in the desert for 40 years and they were tested in the desert, tempted, tried, to see if they really trusted God, really believed in Him, were really ready to be God's people. The the idea then is, the teaching then is that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, the perfect human being, the perfect Jew, the Savior of Israel, after he goes through the waters of baptism, he finds himself in the desert to face the demons. He has to accept the conditions in which God put him. He has to put trust in God and not fall away and go back. Do you remember in the Old Testament, the temptation of the people of Israel, when they left Egypt, crossed through the waters of baptism, the temptation was, let's go back. There's no food here. There's no drink here. There's nothing here that can be beneficial for us. At least in Egypt we had food and drink. Let's go back. God is going to let us die. That sort of thing. It's the same thing in a sense with our Lord Jesus Christ. He had to go into this deserted place. And by the way, this is definitely a biblical teaching that evil spirits, dark spirits, inhabited wasteland, inhabited waste areas. They were in the deserts. They were in the places where there was no water, there was no food, there were harsh conditions. Filled with all sorts of predatory animals, that sort of thing. The desert is a sort of symbolic place of danger, of emptiness, godlessness, where the demons sort of reign. That's why, by the way, in the history of the church, the Christian monks and nuns went to live in the desert. That's why they went to the deserts of Egypt, fleeing the comforts of civilization to go to have warfare, with the devil. That's why, for example, St. John the Baptist did the same thing. He went into the wilderness, ate locusts and hundi, and he was in the desert, engaging in spiritual warfare. So our Lord Jesus Christ had to go through all of this. Once he's baptized, he shows that he's God, 
shows that the Holy Spirit is united with him because it comes and dwells on him. And now the Spirit tells him, okay, now go begin your ministry and you're going to see temptations. Temptations that are very particular to the Messiah, the one who is supposed to be God's son. <coughs> These are temptations that the devil dreamed up just for our Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of tailor-made, like I said, for the Messiah. Why? Because Christ came to save the world and he had to do that by being crucified. He had to let people allow them to, in freedom, follow him by faith. And they had to be willing to obey him and be crucified together with him so that they could be redeemed by him to have his salvation work in their lives. <coughs> so the temptation then is to bypass the cross, to have salvation without the cross, to have the Messiah without the cross, to have human life without the cross, to rob people's freedom. And then the Messiah would just come, just give everybody what they want from God and would satisfy all their needs. The needs that just belong to the flesh and belong to the fallen world and make people happy. You know, you might even like sort of put it this way. The devil is coming to tempt Jesus and he's saying, listen, what you're bringing is too hard. It's too much. People are not going to stand it. They don't want freedom. They don't want to take up the cross. They don't want to obey God. They don't want to love. What they really want, someone to take care of them. For God to just give them what they want, make them happy, and make them happy in this world. The idea is, the devil is trying to tell him, people don't want really to be free. They want to be told what to do. They want God to tell them what to do. They want God to show them miracles and mysteries, and they want God to have authority over them. And they want God to give them bread and make them humanly happy. And they're ready to surrender everything to have that. So these three temptations that the devil gives our Lord Jesus Christ in the wilderness, they're the most treacherous temptations that you can give to the Messiah. What the devil is doing is saying to our Lord Jesus Christ, don't be the Messiah the way that you're supposed to be. Don't do it that way. It's going to be too much work. It's going to be too hard. For example, the first temptation, temptation of changing the stone into bread. The devil says, if you're the son of God, show us a miracle. Show your power. Show your power by satisfying human need. People are hungry. Make the stones into loaves of bread. But our Lord Jesus Christ answers him, quoting scripture, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Bread for myself is a material problem. Bread for my neighbor is a spiritual problem. So if somebody is really hungry and has no food, you have to feed them. I was hungry and you gave me food. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ says. But if you simply say to a person, life is only about food, it's only about drink, it's only about clothing and possessions and property, then ultimately I am destroying this human being. I'm killing the human being that is made in the image and likeness of God. So the big temptation here is to take something good, bread, food, and to make it everything, and to do that by a miracle. Here also, the, the devil is sort of tempting with our Lord Jesus Christ, telling him that people like miracles. They want God to perform miracles all the time. Do you ever notice even within the Orthodox Church, people who are interested in spirituality, sometimes they think to themselves, the more miracles, the better. And the wilder the miracles, the better. They love to read stories about, you know, monks that are performing miracles and they do all these miraculous things and these things happen to them. And it gets really people excited and they say books and books about miracles. But it's not about miracles. It's about the love of God. It's about truth, it's about wisdom, it's about freedom.
Because actually you can even become a, a miracle junkie. But you want miracles all the time. Just like you can become a food addict. All you want to do is eat all the time. So the devil tries to put or make our Lord Jesus Christ fall into this trap. He's trying to say to them, people are going to love you, they'll follow you, if first you give them bread, make them happy, show them by your miraculous power. But this is an evil temptation. The temptations then continue. The devil takes up our Lord Jesus Christ to Jerusalem and he puts him on the pinnacle of the temple. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And God's going to catch you. And he quotes the Psalms and he says, the angels will have charge over you, they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And our Lord Jesus Christ answers, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You don't put God to the test. You don't jump off a roof and say to God, catch me. That's blasphemous. God will protect you. But you don't pick up serpents to prove it. You don't drink poison to prove that God will do a miracle and show His mysterious power and authority that He has. Life is not about miracles. It's not about authority. The bread and authority and miracle, or the miracle and the mystery and the authority, all these things, that's what the people want. The authority is, we'll tell you what to do, just follow me. And that's what the devil is trying to tell our Lord Jesus Christ. If you go up on the mountain and you throw yourself down, now the people are going to do whatever you want. Whatever you want, they're going to do it. And you know, sometimes people want that. They want to find some holy person who's going to tell them everything that they should do. What to eat, what to drink, where to walk, when to sleep. So that they don't have their own freedom and their own insight and their own spirit for those things. Because freedom is harder. God expects more from us. The devil is saying, why, you know, why don't you just tell them what to do? Tell them exactly what to do. Don't give them freedom. Don't give them a choice. Show them that you're God. And when you show them, they will have no choice but to follow you and say and do everything that you do. <coughs> or everything that you tell them to do. And then as long as, and you can tell them, as long as they obey you, you'll make everything go nice for them in the world. This is the temptation. And then the third temptation, of course, the devil takes him up to a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says, these things all belong to me. I'll give them to you if you worship me. In other words, don't worship God. Worship things. Don't seek the kingdom, like we read last week. Seek the life in this world. Seek earthly happiness. Let everything be nice until you die and in some old age and nice with comfortable retirement and everything will be perfect and, and everything will be just as you want. But not at all. If this is what you want, if these are your goals, then you're worshiping the devil. So the devil says, I'll give you all of these things if you just fall down and worship me. And finally again, our Lord Jesus Christ, he quotes scripture and he says, get behind me Satan or be gone Satan for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And it says, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So to show power, to show authority, to show miracles, to give bread, those are the kind of things that the people want. And the devil tempts our Lord Jesus Christ to give it to them. And then they're going to follow you. They'll bow down before you. They'll worship you because you give them bread. They'll worship you because you show them miracles. You show them mystery. You show them authority. You have power. And then they can just be your slaves. They can become slaves of God, not sons of God. You remember 
One of the qualities of humans being made in the image and likeness of God is that they have freedom. The devil is trying to say, humans don't deserve freedom. They don't want freedom. Don't give them this freedom. Force them to obey you. Give them good things and they'll follow you. And actually there are some churches that in the name of Christ do the same thing. They say to people, come to church and your life is going to be better. Come to church and God will give you a good job. Worship God and miracles will happen in your life. If you're sick, you're going to be healed. All these kind of things. You don't have to suffer anything. God is going to make your life go well if you follow Him. You don't even have to think because we'll tell you everything that you have to do. We'll tell you where to go, what to eat, what to drink. We'll take care of all of this for you. But this is demonic. That would be a complete surrender to the temptations that our Lord Jesus Christ was confronted with by the demons. It's amazing that, and actually amazing and scary to think that <coughs> the things that the devil is tempting our Lord Jesus Christ with don't look so bad. Giving people bread, doing miracles, showing his power by jumping off a roof and being saved, having all the kingdoms of the world given to him, what's wrong? Those are nice things to have. No, those are demonic. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, if you seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness, then you'll have everything you need. All these things are going to be added to you. And the crosses that you need will be given to you, and the suffering that you have to endure will be given to you. The temptations and the trials that you have to bear will be given to you. St. Paul said in the book of Acts, you cannot enter God's kingdom except through affliction. Again, St. Anthony the Great, he said, a truly wise person, a godly person, knows the difference between right and wrong, good and bad, true and false, beautiful and ugly, and clings with all his strength to what is good, true, beautiful and right, no matter how much he suffers and is persecuted for it. And he clings to what is good and true and beautiful. He takes responsibility in freedom for his own behavior and stands before God. Tanathi also, he says, that he expects to be tested and tempted and tried even to his last breath. The Messiah himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, had to give all of these things up, the things of the world. He showed that he had power. He showed that he could spread a table in the wilderness and feed 5,000 people. But he said it's not about that. It's ultimately not about that. He did many works and signs and miracles. And he showed that he had authority. Authority over unclean spirits, authority over the winds and the sky, the weather. But ultimately, our Lord Jesus Christ, He says it's not about that. It's about living with God. It's about choosing God. It's about having the dignity, the liberty of being the children of God. It's not about being a slave or enslaved to sort of earthly things or even expecting God to give them to you. This is from the devil. And our Lord Jesus Christ had to face that. Being the Messiah, he had to face this. You can summarize these temptations as the devil tempting our Lord Jesus Christ not to be the crucified Messiah. Tempting our Lord Jesus Christ not to bring the kingdom of God in freedom and in wisdom and in glory and in beauty, but just simply to satisfy earthly needs, to enslave them by a powerful and authoritative way, to show them miracles and to thrill them, to make them interested in all this kind of stuff that has nothing to do with becoming a saint, becoming a holy person. And this is the great temptation. 
And that's actually the great temptations of religion in general and of Christianity and the church in particular. That even the leaders of the church would invite people to come to church in order to get what the devil is asking our Lord Jesus Christ to take, which our Lord Jesus Christ refused to do. We as Orthodox Christians believe that since Christ was victorious over the devil and he doesn't accept these temptations, he goes to the cross and he destroys death. He destroys the power of Satan. He destroys worship of mammon, of money. He destroys the bondage of the people who are enslaved to miracles and authorities and law and bread and food, all kinds of earthly things. He destroys all of this. He sets us free. He liberates us from the power of the devil, allows us to become children, allows us to become sons of God. That's what he does. And so the teaching is, we can do that and we must do that in him and through him. We have to be tested too. We have to resist the temptation of the devil also. Whatever those temptations happen to be in our particular life. So that's what we see in the temptations of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in the scripture that he had to go through them. He had to face them. He had to be victorious over them. In the, in the gospel it says that the devil left him and were leaking, uh, seeking for like a more opportune time to come to him later. And we can maybe envision that this more opportune time was right before his passion when our Lord Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And when St. Peter pulled out his sword and he said, put the sword back. So our Lord Jesus Christ has to be crucified. And so do we. He has to be completely obedient to God the Father. And so do we. He has to love and obey God. And so do we. Not the demons. He has to overcome the very subtle temptations of the demons. We have to overcome the temptations of the demons, to overcome this sort of subtle temptation to create a so-called Christianity or religious life, which is the exact thing that our Lord Jesus Christ rejected when He was on earth. So that we can say with our Lord Jesus Christ, like He said in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. I should be able to do those things. He could have easily, for example, come down from the cross when the soldiers threatened Him with this and He said, you know, if you're really the Son of God, come down. But He didn't. And this is also our command today, not to come down from the cross. Not to come down from the cross. Because the minute we come down from the cross, we're in the hands of the devil. Then everything isn't what it really truly is anymore. The church is not really the church anymore. Worship isn't really worship anymore. People will come to church just for the stuff that God gives them and the things that the devil wanted to provide instead of the things that they should, truly should be coming for. Everlasting life, freedom, truth, love, dignity, divine sonship. So we have to flee these temptations. And like I said, we all have these temptations in our own way. But our Lord Jesus Christ shows us the path on how to do this. The Messiah had to be tested and we have to be tested too. He was victorious and we have to be victorious too. We can't change the gospel. And we can't end up teaching something in the name of God like the devil was trying to do. The devil used scripture to tempt our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the meaning of all of this. How beautiful that our Lord Jesus Christ is victorious over Satan. 
and that we could be victorious over him as well. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.